Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Healthcare Reinvented. Innovation stories from Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield. Together with Allegheny Health Network. Pretty fun stuff, Audrey. We get to do some fun, fun, fun stuff when it comes to Tech Vibe Radio and the podcast studio. You know, today, we're looking at redefining quality cancer care with Drs. Russell Fuhrer and Dr. Jonathan Lee. Really excited to have these guys hanging out with us today to talk about all the really just interesting, positive stuff happening here in Pittsburgh. Right, right in our neighborhood, too. Right in our neighborhood. Right in our neighborhood. We're very excited about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I couldn't be more pumped. Okay, so let them introduce themselves Definitely. so we know who all is in the house. So, hi, I'm uh, Russell Fuhrer. I'm, the, uh, I'm a physician, radiation oncologist. Um, my uh, title is, is I am the uh, system director of clinical operations in the radiation oncology department and the director of quality and safety in the uh, oncology uh, service line. I've been at uh, Allegheny Health Network's first gig from 87 to 91 as a resident and then back uh, from 2000 until now as a uh, uh, staff radiation oncologist. Wow. Glad, we're to, glad have to have you. It's great to be here. And even though we're, Jonathan says we're going to have fun, we're going to we're going to have more than fun. We're going to really try to fi- figure out what these these people are up to Definitely. right in our backyard, Definitely. and and try to break down so that everyone can understand not only how important this work is, but what is the work. Definitely. And and wh- why it matters to us. So thank great. you for being here. And Dr. Lee, you're new to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. Uh, my name is Jonathan Lee. Uh, thank you for having me over today. Uh, I'm a surgical oncologist and a melanoma and skin cancer specialist. I joined Allegheny Health Network August 1st, 2018. Yeah, so ah, it eight. hasn't even been a year. Not yet. Not yet. Um, I, what do I do at Allegheny Health Network? I'm the system-wide director of surgical oncology and the director of surgery at the Cancer Institute and also the system director of the Cancer Institute Disease Site Leadership Teams. Wow. Powerful so, stuff, man. Yeah, like, wow. you know, so there, it, there is really a lot going on in terms of Highmark and their focus on cancer and cancer research and cancer practices. So w- let's let's sort of start. Give us a little bit of history and context so that we can really start to have a, a conversation about what's happening. So uh, I, I can give you a history going back to, uh, you know, around 2000 or so when there was a big shift in, in, in okay. oncology uh, services in in, uh, in Western Pennsylvania, Perfect. and a big group from UPMC. Uh, or I'm sorry, a big group from 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 AGH went across the river, mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time, um, uh, a group from from over there came over to uh, to, a- to AHN, and I was uh, lucky enough to work with uh, with Dave Parda in uh, you know at that point, essentially starting from scratch and building the uh, cancer program back at uh, AHN and. Uh, uh, you know, it was it was been an, it, both struggle and triumph over the years, um, and uh, but since that time, it's been this tremendous growth uh, um, curve that uh, you know has really sort of hit its pinnacle in the last year when we've just you know made this huge uh, expansion into uh, sort of area underserved or 
uh, areas of, of Western Pennsylvania to provide, uh, you know, high-level cancer care to those communities. Well, where did people go before that, or what has changed over the last, you know, eighteen years? I, w- when I first started here, you know, you had a cancer center at Allegheny General, and then uh, over at uh, you know a couple of other main centers, and people would drive, and then you would just, you know, and, and people in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, culturally, do not like to you know cross rivers or, or bridges <laughs> or tunnels <laughs> county you know, by so county. So it really was right? so really yeah. you know so you know you know you have to hear is you have cancer and then uh, and then worse than that you have to cross a river. Um, you know, so, <laughs> What's uh, worse, the rivers <laughs> or cancer? Right. Oh. So you know so so over time you know uh, places did open other uh, facilities um, and then you know as the needs uh, and and the demographics changed and. Uh, um, uh, you know, now has just been another time when, when expanding into, uh, into areas, uh, and part of it is, you know, is, is to put places in areas that are, uh, uh, that we didn't have a presence, um, so that patients now who are part of AHN or part of Highmark, you know, have high quality, uh, uh cancer care in their communities. And it's making such an impact already. I mean, having these centers so close by where people don't have to go and spend hours of the day just getting there. Just, oh yeah. It's got to just. Tremendous improvement to people's lives to have access to that top-notch care right next door. So maybe we can jump into talking about the the collaborative cancer center of the future. You know, what's what's your role in that, and what what is the big target condition? So I'm not sure about what the target how to answer the target condition part, but we could talk about the collaborative Mm -hmm. cancer center. What that means? Uh, For some time, we've known that cancer patients are best taken care of if all of us put our brain to get, brains together and talk about it. Okay. Okay. Get all the smart minds in one room. And, I mean, yeah. It's collaborative care. Right. The its fact finest. of the matter is just the amount of knowledge out there is so much and it expands almost exponentially mm-hmm. so that no one person can keep up with all the medical right. knowledge out there regarding cancer. Right. So it became necessary that we need to have specialists, whether it be surgical oncologists, medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, or even among those, you know, lung cancer specialist, breast cancer specialist, someone like me, melanoma, complex skin cancer specialist. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice if we just put everybody in one room and talk about one patient? And Getting come the with, best team around that one life to really yeah, give them the best that, solution. That's the idea. Yeah, exactly. Whole, right? Right. And the, the, those things manifest in terms of disease site teams and disease site tumor boards, of which Allegheny Health Network has... 13 disease sites to which it delivers cancer care across the network. But you know, you, traditionally, these um, tumor boards are usually isolated to a hospital setting, a single hospital setting. Then you can start thinking, okay, how can we deliver this quality care across the entire network over a large geographic, geographic area? Right, 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 right. Well, then we've got to figure out how to build a network that collaborates, right, and communicate. And we're going to have to leverage a lot of things to do that. So idea, once again, is that can we deliver expertise to the patients near their residence? We can if the uh, talent and the resources exist. And to me, this is, that, this, is the, this is the entire effort what we're trying to do right now. It's interesting, the transformation. So when, let's just talk a little bit about collaboration. So one patient and a team of professionals. Mm-hmm. So, so explain what that team of professionals might be. Right. So... In order to answer that question, I'm going to step back just a little bit, if you yeah. don't mind. Sure. Okay. Stretch so out, let, step back. Let's, yeah. let's really talk about 
cancer care as it was traditionally delivered by physicians alone. Okay, definitely. Yeah, kind of set that baseline as to mm-hmm. how it was, okay. and then right. how you guys are changing it right. and making it better. Mm-hmm. So we did three things as physicians. We did diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. Okay. Uh, we did imme- immediate recovery, and we did long-term follow-up. As physicians, that's all we ever did. Okay. But that is not, those are not just the uh, entire cancer journey, if you will. It's not contained in those three variables. As healthcare systems evolve and as doctors work with hospital systems with a lot of resources, now we could do education and prevention, early screen, screen, screening and early detection. Not only that, we could try to restore people to their lives they were before the diagnosis of cancer. Exactly. Before right. it becomes crazy, right? right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, when I was in training, one of my surgical oncology professors attending said, you know, Jonathan, you know what definition of surgical oncologist is? What? Somebody who hates cancer more than they like their patients. That, but that, those statements yeah, resonate crazy. to me oh, today sure. wow. as it did back when I first heard it. We have a lot more deliverables to our patients than just cut them up, cut them up, sew them up, and ship them out, right? Mm-hmm. What is that? We have to restore these people to how they're functioning, hopefully prior, before, prior to diagnosis of cancer. If you could do that, that'd be fantastic, right? And finally, when you hook up with a uh, bona fide cancer research institute, now we have access to research and clinical trials. Okay, so then what if we delivered the entire package in a singular format, mm-hmm. okay, across different disease sites, across the entire network? Right. So what it was before and what we're trying to do now, mm-hmm. but how do you deliver that package without collaboration? <laughs> right. That's the tricky I, part. I, I, right. I think you did describe the target condition, though. Right. I mean, that is the target right. condition. Right. Okay. That's what you're working towards. Right. Right. So you're working towards true interdisciplinary collaboration. Right. Precisely. Right. But a patient can be seen in Butler or Beaver or, you know, any of our facilities you know, by somebody who is a is a, a general practitioner in, in whatever specialty, and then they can lean on the disease site groups right. to help formulate what would be a great plan for treatment for that patient, and then they can implement that plan of treatment closer to the patient's home. Mm-hmm. If it gets beyond that, then they can get an opinion from from Hopkins, um, and then also, you know, ideally, you know, ninety five percent of the time is how we're designing it. You know, can can have that plan formulated and could be delivered, um, you know, within however many miles of their house. And that's a first. I mean, in many ways, that's a first, particularly for for the Allegheny Health Network system because yes, you yes. really have that kind of soup to nuts kind right. of capability is relatively new. And it's exciting because you really are able to represent a lot of southwestern Pennsylvania where people won't have access to right. the kinds of treatment and care. Right, and as opposed to as it, you know, it would be easier for us to simply tell patients, okay, you know, this is too complicated. You have to come into the main center. We can't do this in the community. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you know, we ha- we we're taking what for us is a more, uh, you know, difficult. It's not the right word, but you know, it takes more effort on our part to put together this whole system that allows the just so that mm-hmm. the patient can get the high level care in. Uh, in their community, and, and that's what we're, mm-hmm. you know, in the process of, of doing. Right. But, it's easier to take the simplest route. Yeah, just have the patient, you know, you go to, you know, just have the patient come in and, you know, see somebody at, you know, at the main center. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, you look see the look on people's faces after that's a three hour drive, right? Yeah, 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 that's two rivers in a tunnel, exactly. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's a big big and to have access to the kinds of um, expertise that they wouldn't have had access to, right? And now they're getting that. To me, that's the exciting that's the exciting piece because even all of tech today, whether it's in healthcare or not, it's really about personalized experiences. So you're really mimicking everything that many of us expect. We tend to expect that. Your, your customers, like right. Jonathan and I, we tend to expect that be these days because right? we have it in our pocket. We have access to information, whether you think it's right or wrong, right. but we tend to expect that. And our satellite facilities are, you know, tend to be staffed by people who live in that community right right you know, and, you've seen and faces you sit in a waiting room and you're gonna you know probably you know possibly see, see people Susan, that you right. know uh you know that that you, you know that you might know or not you know um and um and so our the trick for us is you know that just by putting a place there you know you can accomplish all those things but to that the key part is we're adding the high technology right. you know the the resources of the disease site groups and of john hopkins um, you know, and, and so that, so, so you put all that together and that's the unique, that's the uniqueness of the whole thing. So until now, both of you correct me, um, if I'm not saying this correctly, but until recently, it could be that you wouldn't have access to some of these, um, clinical trials and some of this, these, uh, treatments within the system. And now that you're going to be able to, uh, have satellites and have sort of this collaborative model and the resources of Hopkins, you are now able to do that? Is that true or not? I would say, you know, access was always there. It just it makes it easier. Okay. Okay, so let me just give you my background. So sure. I started my career in academia and NCI designated comprehensive cancer center, only one in the state of New Jersey. So, you know, there's about, at that time, there's maybe 40-some-odd NCI designated comprehensive cancer centers in, in the United States, which is less than one per state, right? And hence the problem. So people, as a surgeon, people used to drive three to four hours to come to see me because oh. they kind of figured that it was just a, just a few visits. <laughs> right, exactly. But after wow. that, mm-hmm. we lost them at radiation. Mm-hmm. We lost them at systemic therapy. All these junctures where it's going to mean life or death for okay. these, these patients. We lost them at clinical trials because this required daily and almost multiple times a week drive to three to four hours. People just cannot do yeah. that, right? So those things were available, but just were not easy to obtain. So they weren't localized. Right. So then the question then becomes, okay, um, then I'll see these patients come back three or four years after that reoccurrences. And we really never developed this working relationship with the local physicians to really coordinate the care, provide the continued flow of expert knowledge Mm -hmm. working with the local physicians, right? Skip forward right now, I get Allegheny Health Network, which was one of the reasons why I joined this group was because I don't work for AGH or West Penn. I work for Allegheny Health Network. Right, right, right. It's, it's, I signed up for network. Right. Because network now can deliver these things across large geographic area and the unified umbrella to some degree, right? So by leveraging the infrastructure and the talent, and developing additional technology-based communication tools right. to really deliver and communicate across that geographic area, it makes all these things traditionally available a lot easier to access yeah. and deliver. The whole network just seems to make so much sense. Mm-hmm. Are other health are other health organizations using this same model as well? Are they seeing what you're doing and trying to replicate this? 
I think that seems to be the in a sort of a default trend that's going okay. on right now because you know, I think the market condition, if you will, for the past several years has been competitive consolidation mm-hmm. of hospital systems, right? And that is a, to some degree a uh, outcome of the recession that we had about ten years ago. Okay, and that a lot of academia, ac- academic organizations are becoming more community type, and a lot of more community based hospital systems have become academic type. Uh, there's a, there's a sort of a blending of the two models, if you will. But throughout, I mean, I think Allegheny Health Network is on the ahead of the curve in terms of doing network integration. I think. Uh, but trend is across the United States. So what happened to people then? So what happened when they, when people didn't get access or, you know, they realized that the intensity of their treatment required things, yeah. them to have regular, con- you know, continuous visits that they didn't realize they only came to visit Dr. Lee and they thought that would be it. I wouldn't have to make that drive again. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them either didn't get follow-up when they should have. And, you know, we follow, I follow my patients, uh, you know, forever, uh, um, while, while reasonable if they're not being followed by other, by other specialists mm-hmm. in most cases. Um, but, you know, people get followed by their primary care doctor back home or by, um, you know, and they only come back to see the specialist at, at a point when they have a problem which might be not the right point to, right. to re-engage. It might be too um, late. Right. I mean, that model would not have been bad if we had developed a working relationship with the doctors near the patients live and say, hey, can we develop a sort of a communication platform where we, we are able to keep in contact? But never, that really never happened in a large academic setting. I was going to say, that'd be really difficult to actually right. have that set up and then function. And right. And, and, and right. they have tried. So when I was in academia, once again, uh, we did try to develop a network. And one of my responsibilities was that get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and drive to an, our network affiliate two hours away to exactly. attend their tumor board. <laughs> right. So right, right. it is not that the effort wasn't made, but it just was not successful. Yeah. So okay. more and more people, there's really been growth, right, in terms of of the Allegheny Health Network mm-hmm. sort of system, and in particular for cancer. It's grown over the years, right? The last few years, there's been quite a big growth. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. you talk about the attributes of that growth? So, I mean, grow, I mean, from, from where I stand as sort of a part of the um, treatment delivery team and also the management team, um, you know, our goal is to, is to sort of take the best practices, not just from Allegheny General and to the sites, but also from sites to Allegheny and, and share, you know, across the network. So, so we've had this tremendous ability to learn from one another. And, uh, you know, both good and bad, um, you know, and, you know, I'll give you the bad, you know, if something were to, you know, to, uh, you know, be missed or, or, or a process found to be less than perfect at one of our sites. And when you have, you know, 18 sites, we have a, a way that, that, that those folks would tell us that, hey, you know, we found a way that we can make this process even better. And then their idea can be shared among all 18 sites. So we don't each have to learn it for ourselves, but we can improve the whole you know, the whole of what we're doing um, and, and learn from one another. So, so I mean, it, it could be a missed opportunity to do that, you know, if, if, if everybody's having, you know, you know uh, something and they don't communicate it. But we've tried to embrace the, the, the growth and, and, and use it to, uh, to make us all better. And, and so how many patients do you actually think that you treat a year across all these sites? We've well, seen it, some, some I don't know pretty what the large numbers, numbers. I don't know what the numbers are for oncology overall. I know in radiation oncology now, we, we treat somewhere in the order of uh, 
three to four hundred patients per day. Oh my! Uh, a lot of our courses, wow. are, you know, that's at all. You that's know, across all the sites. That's across yeah. all the sites. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a lot a lot of patients. So it's also an opportunity to you know to uh, to collect data to you know to put more patients on research trials um, and to uh, you know to look at outcomes data and things like that across a, across a much wider uh, network. So numbers can be measured in many different ways. Obviously, right? The total number of patients being treated. But the typical number that the people utilize to really gauge this, how busy or how, how many people see it, called analytical cases. So Elegant Health Network, I think, sees about 10,000 analytical cases annually. Meaning cases diagnosed right. with right. malignancy. So those are people already diagnosed. Usually the, it is typically defined as new cases being diagnosed or treated the first time at, the, at an organization. That's pretty significant. I was, I was wondering if you could switch gears a little bit sure. and talk about the relationship with John Hopkins because I think that was that's something that was new to me. I learned a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. I thought that is some powerful stuff. Is that part of this network that you guys have? Mm-hmm. I think is just really phenomenal. Can you give us some details? Well, I'll give you the basics, and yeah. I'll let uh, uh, Dr. Lee expand. But uh, you know, it's, it's I think. You know, the, the key is it starts, in, you know, think of yourself as a, as a patient in the community. Right. You know, maybe you have something that's that's a little bit, un, you know, not a typically diagnosed uh, uh, disease. Uh, you see the doctor there, you know, that team of doctors, you know, comes up with a plan. Uh, and then they, you know, run it by the, the next tier would be to run it by the folks at, uh, at Allegheny General and, and people involved in the disease site groups. And um, and then, you know, and then if, if there's still, you know, the patient either wants another opinion or... Where the group feels that another opinion is warranted, then then the Johns Hopkins group is there, you know, to to offer that, uh, you know, sort of that uh, uh, expert opinion. And, and there's stuff that that you know sometimes we don't see, and they might see, um, or different expertise in different areas. Uh, so so it's sort of that three three tier thing. Exactly. And hopefully yeah. that you know the the you know the recommendation from Johns Hopkins can then be you know filtered back to the place where the patient was originally seen, and perhaps a treatment can be given there. So, you know, I think the uh, Johns Hopkins uh, collaboration is somewhat multidimensional, okay? One of which is okay. the clinical aspect of it, obviously. Right. Clinical mm-hmm. remote second opinion. Clinical physical second opinion whenever it is deemed necessary for one reason or the other. I think that it that represents a fraction or just a unit dimension of what we're trying to do with Johns Hopkins. Obviously, second, second biggest, uh, the other big aspect of that uh, collaboration is research and clinical trials, okay? Uh, we are at Allegheny Health Network, and we are good at clinical work. That's not a, that's not a question here. But uh, I think Johns Hopkins would have a lot of more advances into sort of basic science research and translational programs, which clinicians can tap into and cooperate and partner up to bring neuroclinical trials here in the Pittsburgh region. I think that's another aspect of the collaboration. Another aspect is of molecular and genomic medicine, the Precision Medicine Initiative. Okay, um, I think uh, Johns Hopkins among the leaders in, in the world in those aspects. And I think we have a relationship with them to really partner to develop together uh, these type of capabilities. I think example is that we are now in the process of building our genomic genomic facility. Can you talk? Can you talk about that? Maybe our listeners don't necessarily know what what that means. So um, I would say the era of molecular and genomic medicine has arrived. Mm. It's okay. here. I want a T-shirt okay. that says yeah. that. Exactly. It's here. Can we get a T-shirt? We're around. 
<laughs> it, it is at its infancy yeah. to some degree. That's some, okay. Some might argue. But it's here. It's here. That's some important. would argue it's in its infancy. Well, some so. would argue, but it is at, it is here. Okay. It means okay. we're going to need to analyze the tissue beyond that of routine histological evaluation by looking under the microscope. We're going to have to see what kind of genes are being expressed and what kind of DNA mutations or aber- aberrancies are there, right? That requires resources and talent. Yes, it does. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Right. <laughs> okay. and, but what does that mean to the person who hasn't been immersed in this world? Right. Uh, let us, I think, I'll give an example of melanoma. Okay, so we knew for a long time that um, half of patients with melanoma have mutation in their BRAF gene, which is thought to be what we call oncologic driver mutation. What does that mean? If you sequence and query entire genome or tumor gene expression, mm-hmm. you will see a lot of mutations. You, but no, not many of them are responsible for making the tumor grow. Okay. 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 Hence, oncologic driver mutations are those mutations that we do find and are responsible for what is oncogenesis, which is turning into tumor, and driver mutation making tumors grow, right? And how would we find out well, we have to do a lot of molecular genetic sequencing, right? Uh, without those technology, we just we won't know. Uh, not only that, now we have drugs to target those impact impact those mutations at a at a protein level. Okay. So maybe interfere with the right interfere with the function of these. Right. Thought is that these genetic aberrancies result in protein formations that are malfunctioning. Okay. And we can interfere at the protein level by giving something called small molecule inhibitors that it can stop the growth and keeps the protein right. from going crazy. Right. So I think those are some of the real life applications of geno- how advances in genomic medicine had to lead to, led to something called a targeted therapy. Right. Okay. And that's just one example. It's a good example. Another example would be that if traditionally we would take a look at a patient and say, ah. Looking at your family history of genetics, right. we could say that uh, you, you're, you're at risk of additional cancer. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why you've got patients genetic counseling, right? Now we could we know that certain conditions like BRCA mutation in w- women can cause, or should I say, increases the risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And how do we figure that one out by studying, <laughs> studying the genetic right. mutations okay. at the DNA level to some degree, right? And and that. Breakthrough has happened in in a pretty short period of time, right? Hasn't it just been like a decade or so? Uh, yeah, something along those lines. So it's yeah. the genetics of the tumor and the genetics of the patient, right? Yeah, and both those things are just just the beginning. We're just right. So, so he said we're just yeah. the, it's right. the infancy, so, but wow, the, the, the but the but the yeah, potential the is potential enormous, and the right. impact just seems right. amazing. Mm-hmm. Two major things had to happen in two thousand three. Human Genome Project was complete. Right. Okay, so we sequence the human genome. Right. We spend mm-hmm. a lot of money doing so. Second us, thing. That, yeah. Right, the world. Okay. The world. Right. He's taking credit for yeah, it over exactly. it. Yeah. 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 I made the giant <laughs> leap, but yes. That's the big we, yeah. So that the whole, was, right. The big right. we. Second thing that happened was that we figured that just humanity, <laughs> some smart people, not me, <laughs> figured out how to sequence those genes really, really fa- fast. Right, okay. exactly. Before... Right. We had one way of sequencing Sanger method, which was pretty accurate, but pretty darn slow. Okay. Then came something called next generation sequencing. What that happened was that made the throughput incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. So the prices started coming down. 
time duration shrunk down significantly. We sequenced the human genome. There was now the computer technology. Exactly. Food, right? Uh, so a lot of things had to happen. Right. Which they all well, lined up and right. allowed you to do this in and a short amount now, of time inexpensively, right? Those things were required for the era of genomic and molecular medicine to take place. Okay. And now that it's here, Allegheny Health Network, Cancer Institute, you know, decided, okay, we're going to attack this head on. And we're going to build our own genomic lab, okay, to do our own genomic medicine. Okay, we hired experts. Yeah, exactly. So that's happening right now. No wonder why you moved from Atlanta to Pittsburgh. I was going to say, this is a place to be. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And you love it, right? And you love it. You love it. First, he sequenced the genome. Exactly. Yeah, it's the whole world. I love this. I love that. Humanity. I love love that. So the the two of you work collaboratively? Do the two of you work on, on cases collaboratively? Not clinically. Not clinically. Um, I mean, our, our collaborations mainly are with uh, the, the disease site groups and the uh, tumor boards okay. and, uh, um, you know, those, those sorts of things. Um, but, there, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people working on uh, – so, you know, so, so you know, my, my areas of expertise primarily are uh, certain brain tumors and, and uh, radiosurgery and, uh, and, and prostate cancer. So a little bit different than uh, – yeah, right, you know, top to bottom. I'm not making yeah. any comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got you covered, man, all the way around. He's more, uh, more melanoma. Uh, He's more melanoma, so you don't necessarily intersect right. in not terms of the now. topical areas, but maybe on, on the boards. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. It's good. I'm, I'm proud just to sit here and I, know you guys that you're really working on. This whole thing of interference mm-hmm. is something that I really like our listeners to sort of understand. I think it breaks it down more simply. In terms of trying to understand that this whole genome work and this precision medicine also includes potentially interfering with the propagation of, of um, cancer. Is that, am I saying that correctly? I wouldn't use the word interference. It's basically, you know, when cellular mechanisms go awry, right? Okay, one of the applications of genomic medicine is figuring out what the molecular mechanisms at the DNA level right. are causing the root cause of all these things mm-hmm. and perhaps introduce a therapy that targets specifically the genetically driven... To stop it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But, to uh, stop it. So right. I'm saying interfering, meaning right. just being polite. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're saying <laughs> no. Yeah, 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 I'm being yeah a little bit more flower-like in terms yeah. of that, but I mean right. it in terms of... Exactly what you said. But as with any technology, it is not just limited to just one area of cancer care that we talked about in all the spectrum of cancer care, right? Okay. So can we use our genetic information to predict, properly risk stratify? Then can we then screen these people a lot more effectively? And if by using genetic mechanisms, we find out that a person is at a lower risk, even no risk of developing cancer, then we might not have to screen these people. Right. And Can, go ahead. Now, I was going to say one of the great examples of that is is, is uh, testing for uh, breast cancer. Um, you know where where it used to be sort of a if you had one lymph node you got chemotherapy, but now you know after genetic testing you know you can they can more selectively define who. Uh, requires chemotherapy, and many patients are being spared chemotherapy. Yes, say, how, how powerful is that? It, right? so it works the other yeah. way as well. Wow. Right. Or like women doing radical mastectomies. Exactly. As a result yeah. of one finding or some pattern 
that they believe is some familial pattern. I mean, I've known women who had double mastectomies before, before this time of genomic testing. And they have said their mother had breast cancer. Like now you're going into a cancer. controversial, uh, <laughs> <laughs> controversial topic, uh, 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 which you know, which is fine. But uh, yeah, but this helps in, in that in that decision making. Right. Process. That's what, yeah. that's all yeah, I'm saying. Right, yeah. Just in terms of the decision making right. process. Yeah, absolutely. Of it. Yes. Before more like information, checklist, better. checklist, right. checklist. Right. That's that's really the example I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. And right. not only that, it will sort of give us some degree of prediction as to which drugs might work and which drugs might not work. Right. Okay. So here's what it is, right? The, to some degree, we do not know in, in oncology world that whether a drug might work for any given individual. We know we as a group that drug X might work better than drug Y. As a group, but individually, we cannot tell the future yet, right? Then can we utilize this genomic technology to even get a better risk prognostication, if not individual prediction, whether this drug should be used or not. So those are our possibilities, and BRAF mutation exactly that. Mm-hmm. If your melanoma does not have a BRAF mutation, we do not give BRAF drug, because <laughs> exactly. it's not going right. to work. Right. Well, but work. What's, what's reassuring to me as a patient, and I'm sure to Jonathan, if you look at just, we used to do it based on, I mean, we probably still do as a patient and, and your primary care practitioner will look at patterns. They ask for your family history on a whole array of things, right? Mm-hmm. Some places it's just yes, no, check, you know, right. two pages, et cetera. Did your grandmother have it? Did your paternal? I just check no know. on everything just to be safe. <laughs> well, that's right? why you're on high blood pressure medication. <laughs> exactly, right. because, yeah. But the point is that you have, it's sort of just random. And I used to think to myself, well, I could just make this up, right? I could just, I don't know what my paternal grandfather really had. I don't know. My maternal grandmother never went to the doctor. So right. So this this new this new, this allows this precision. The new technology right. on multiple yeah. levels allows us to choose better treatments for that are more applicable to certain diseases. Exactly. Yeah. That are that are applicable. Avoid treatments that patients might not need. You know, because it could be sort of that back in the day, sort of that shotgun approach. You know, where yeah. you try you everything and give it to everybody. Right. And maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Well, now we can be. It's basically about being more selective at every level, mm-hmm. so that the drugs we choose are going to be more effective. Drugs we choose are going to, or, or you know, or, or I should, you know, or radiation or, or whatever it is, you know, is going to, you know, so we can be smarter about what we do, yeah. less side effects. I tell you what, we've talked about so outcomes. many things. Today. I know my, we have. I have like a list like, of more questions for you. My, so. my, my, my brain is just like on fire. At the end of the day, what it still comes down to me is you're taking all this and you're bringing it as close to the patient as possible. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think that is so powerful that people can actually get this care because there's no excuse not to get there. It's in their hometown. And you're making huge investments in bringing these facilities online. And these facilities are really nice. I mean, this is like a place you want to be able to hang out in. When you're going there, you're going to feel like you're at home. You know you're getting the best treatment. And you have to drive over a bridge and many tunnels and things like that in order to get there. And you're going to have, you know, experts. Um, uh, you know, we have, and I speak to my department, you know, obviously expert physicians and, you know, the people behind the scenes, expert physicists. All, you know, we have a group of almost 20, you know, masters and Ph.D. physicists uh, from, you know, some of the best uh, uh, trained in the world who are, you know, making sure that everything's working correctly and that the QA and, and uh, safety is, is at the highest levels, uh, you know, and then we have the, you know, the staff who the patients interact with every day who, uh, you know, just do a remarkably wonderful job with, uh, you know, getting patients through what might be, 
uh, well, that, that are definitely the most difficult times in their life. For sure. Uh, but also things that are, that are highly complex and uh, they do it in a, in, a, in a spectacular way. Powerful, powerful stuff. What's the future? What should we, what's, what's next? So, I mean, well, yeah. yeah so, so at, at Allegheny General, I can tell you, in, 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 and I'll speak just to radiation oncology, sure. we have some, some really cool technologies that are, uh, that are coming in our new department that opens uh, next year. And one of them in particular is uh, what's called an MRI Linux. And so that basically is, uh, so the idea in radiation oncology is, you know, it used to be that we would put marks on the patient's skin, we would align to those marks, and then we would assume that whatever's happening inside the body, just, you know, just put a big margin around it and treat it. And put a big margin around it. 80s, yeah. You know, we exactly. were around with wax pencils. Oh. So nowadays we, you know, we have much, much better technology and we do a, you know, a CAT scan um, just before the treatment, we can visualize and focus on the internal organs that we're, that we're treating. Well, this MRI LINAC technology actually has a, an MRI scanner built into a radiation delivery device. And so that we'll actually be able to image the internal anatomy during the course of treatment. And we'll make corrections to the treatment or changes wow. to the treatment. Simultaneously? As, so cool. As it, yeah, it replans it as you're delivering the treatment. That's what um, I'm talking and, about. And, you know, so we can, you know, decrease the margins, change the shape of our fields, depending on exactly how the, how the target is, is, uh, looks on, on each day of, uh, of treatment, which is, uh, it's like, you, know, you, you guys are making this awful disease a lot less scary. You know, I mean, you know, no, everyone's biggest fear is to be diagnosed with some form of cancer, but to know that when, if it does happen, that these are the technologies and the facilities that are there to like crush it and get you back to your life. Right. Right. Better. I mean, the idea is, uh, you know, get rid of the tumors and, uh, you know, pr- you know, and cause fewer side effects. Like, and don't drive over a river to get to it. We're not going to put an MRI Linux in every community. Right. 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 We can right. hope, That's right? For, for, uh, they get all the good toys. Yeah, <laughs> they get all the good toys. Exactly. <laughs> but but to answer stuff, some of your yeah. question, you know, if you take a look back, just take some retrospective view, and I think that would give us a little better idea where we are going as healthcare in general, right? Right. So, you know, People could argue a lot about lot, lot about things in what progress truly has been made in cancer arena, but what's inarguable is the following things. Uh, diagnostic modalities have become a lot more accurate. That, that we know. And I'll continue to be a lot more accurate. Surgery has become a less, lot less invasive. I suspect that though that trend will continue. as More well. pinpointed and, yeah. Oh, okay. I think radiation has become a lot more targetable and a lot more dynamic. Okay, and systemic therapies have become a lot more personalized. Okay, and I think we could continue to see that trend going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think another aspect of cancer care that people really underappreciate is this, this disease site concept we talked about: cooperation, collaboration, flow of resources, flow of information, flow of talent across large geographic area. I think per patient, per patient, I think that probably has most its biggest impact because now p- these people are getting type of, having access, easier access to the type of care that they were not getting before. Exactly. Okay, I think that, that's make, that makes a huge difference in patient care. You guys are making a huge difference across the board, so we're so excited to be able to put a giant spotlight on this and really be able to stretch out as we have. And we have more of this coming your way. This is just part one, a multi-part, well, what's going on with Allegheny Health Network and how, mm-hmm. really, you guys are just 
doing such awesome work. And being able to talk to you guys today was just fantastic stuff. Can't thank you enough for hanging out with us today oh, and, and filling us in. Like I said, I feel better about what's going on <laughs> just knowing you guys are behind the scenes doing what you're yeah, doing. Thanks so much. It, it always actually feels good to talk about it. I'm proud, proud to be part of it. Definitely. I'm proud. I'm yeah, really proud. Good stuff. Like you say, we get to have the most fun. No more check looks at the doctor's office. Oh, That's what I'm going to start with. I just check note everything. Right? <laughs> and I'm just fine. I'm right? use, right? It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. And keep coming back for more of the Allegheny Health Network. Thank you for listening to Healthcare Reinvented. Innovation stories from Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield together with Allegheny Health Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.